Six Steps to Effectively Build Topic Clusters with Begum Kaya. In Search SEO Podcast is brought to you by Rank Ranger, the all-in-one SEO platform that helps scale your business through data and analytics. Hey, it's David. How do you go about building and honing topic clusters? And how do you measure their effectiveness? That's what we're going to be discussing today with a lady who lived in Japan for a year and speaks Turkish, English and Japanese. She's an SEO consultant from Turkey, bringing an international perspective to delivering SEO-focused digital solutions to brands all over the world. A warm welcome to the InSearch SEO podcast, Begum Kaya. Thank you. Hello, David. How are you? Thank you. Uh, I'm very good, thank you. And thank you so much for joining us. Well, you can find Begum over at Begum... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> I just want to make sure everyone's got your um, your web address there. So I want to share you can find um, Begum Kaya over at BegumKaya.com. Uh, so Begum, sorry, what were you going to say there? I'm the one that was supposed to... Yeah, you were the one that was supposed to do it, but I just jumped in because excitement. <laughs> excitement. Well, hopefully that excitement remains for the whole discussion. I'm sure it will. Uh, so in this particular topic, we're talking about topic clusters. So why Topic clusters. Why topic clusters? Because it's something that started before I became an SEO and that changed a little bit right after I started within that three-year period. And I am quite interested in it because it's not something that we talk in the Turkish market that much because... um, like we are still talking about 1500 word category page texts and deal with spammy gateway content in Turkey. (laughs) So I'm like, oh yeah, this is something strange and this is something exciting actually that I can test in the world of people who speak English. So so just before we get into topic clusters, why is that? Um, Why is, are you toast? talking about more spammy tactics in Turkey, is that because there's less competition for keyword phrases that you're targeting and more spammy tactics still work? They still work. Uh, The very long category page text also still works. And there are other things that Google is strictly against, but that are still working in the Turkish market. And the way, actually the reason we deal with these is because like Turkish comprehension of the search engines is not as well as it is in English. So yeah, Turkish market is sometimes a mess. And is it primarily Google there? Mm-hmm, it is, yeah. Okay, okay. Oddly enough, I am also a Google, previously Google My Business, right now Google Business Profiles gold product expert uh, for Google. And when it comes to Google Maps and versus Yandex Maps, people are very pro Yandex Maps in Turkey because that's more like accurate. Sometimes Google mm, is trying to put you in like one way roads and I'm like, um, I'm sorry, like we shouldn't have come from here. But yeah, those kind of stuff happened. I asked you to send um, your profile through to me beforehand and um, included in that was um, your Google My uh, Business. Um, uh, what did you say? Uh, Google My Product Business. Product experts. Okay. Now, uh, the reason I didn't mention it actually is because um, obviously it's it's now Google Business Profile, and I wouldn't I didn't know if that was completely up to date. I should have clarified that that with you beforehand. It's okay if you search for Google Business Profile, you're going to see the knowledge panel saying Google My Business. 
<laughs> Even mm-hmm. Google didn't like. I know. They did the rebranding, yes, but they didn't particularly went ahead and yeah. Not everything works as yeah, fast as we want to in SEO, so yeah. I need to talk to Jason Barnard about that. Um, maybe he can explain what the issue is there. Maybe it's his fault. <laughs> we talked about it in like Brighton SEO in April 2020, like the previous one that was a month ago. And yeah, <laughs> he had very interesting ideas about how Google is handling their own knowledge panels. Well, that, that could be a conversation in itself, certainly. Definitely, but definitely. Today, you're sharing your six steps to effectively build topic clusters. So starting off with number one, understanding topic clusters. Yeah. I was saying that like mm, there has been many things um, around content and ho- how Google is understanding, interpre- interpreting and pop- basically ranking our content. So it apparently started around 2013 with the hummingbird and then the rank brain came and then bird came right after I started SEO. Um, and there has been a few changes since then too. Um, like Google didn't announce that they're investing in topic and passage comprehension. Then multitask unified model came mom about how they experiment with um, understanding content and interpreting queries as we humans do, basically, then apparently there are many SERP features just like featured snippets, people also ask related queries and etc. So all of these are coming um, to enhance user experience. And with all these updates and also information in mind, I got an understanding around how users are engaging with websites and Google is taking like the steps Google is taking to make it more accessible. And even though like Google is taking these steps, it wouldn't be wise for SEOs to keep stagnant. So our tactics along with these changes should change as like the way that we do our everyday businesses, etc. So even though to- topic clusters have been around for a decade now, uh, more publishers and mm, content producers are focusing on it now. And I can see the understanding behind it. So topic clusters are pretty set- straightforward, actually. They are groups of related content that help you build authority and collectively cover a broader area of topics. So you get to answer long-term queries and in combination of all these separate long-term queries, you bind them everything into a place in your pillar pages by internal linking so that mm-hmm. um, you have a structure where pillar pages are touching upon all the subtopics, but mostly having spicy bits that would encourage the users to click on to like cluster pages via internal linkings. And what we really recommend here is that using CTAs that are like enticing um, and cluster pages are in-depth articles about the given topic. And the more you dive in, the more you discover other topics as well so that you have a chance to enlarge your keyword research within this process as well. And internal linking, unfortunately, as one of the most important but sometimes underrated practices of SEO, this, these things come into play when it comes to binding these pages together. And it's important to stay in line with these and leverage internal linking opportunities to provide context, not to just splash 
internal linkings here and there and distribute these also help you distribute page rank so you should be doing it wisely and yeah in all of these structure you have a chance to accelerate the content discovery process in itself okay i guess that takes us up to step number two the benefits so i mean is there a real tangible benefit to arranging your content within topic clusters compared with just publishing blog posts um, perhaps mm -hmm. not siloed blog posts they're still linked mm -hmm. from other uh, blog posts is there a real measurable um, benefit to actually clustering everything together and uh, publishing the same volume of content but just structuring it differently I believe it has very, very tangible results. We can take a look at the overall number of keywords that are ranking, and we can take engagement uh, metrics from Google Analytics. And what I really love about content clusters is that this is not that much tangible, but um, you really have to be an expert in your field to create topic clusters. You can definitely replicate this by looking at a competitor or other websites that are writing similar topics, but a competitor who is better than you and who knows what they're doing better than you do is definitely going to do better because they are going to see multiple angles. As I mentioned, when you're looking for the cluster pages, um, you discover different topics and it's quite natural that a person or a brand that knows what they're doing better than you do already have an understanding on how to cope with this and how to include this in their processes. So what is taking them less time is going to take you much more. And yeah, um, so basically like the good one wins when it comes to topic clusters. Um, and also when it comes to like EAT, of course, in our lives, um, Topic clusters help you build an authority around your topic. So this is actually kind of like an advice in itself. You have to be building content topics, topic clusters um, when it's the when it's at the core of your business. So if something is not vital to your business, you may not want to create a topic cluster around it because there may be better areas that you would want to build your topic cluster in. And we see tons of investments from brands to start non-brand blogs and taking advantage of user-generated content here and there. Um, they're doing this to build authority and provide links to their websites and getting customers and users engaged and interested about their products, etc. And topic clusters also extend your reach wider because the more long keywords, uh, long tail keywords you cover, the more you're able to... Um, basically cover grounds in your field and this ultimately like the um, structure that these topic clusters have really contribute to your page rank being distributed among the pages and one of the things that you should be doing if you probably you're going to have more than one topic clusters you have to make sure that these are interlinking between themselves as well so not each um, topic cluster is siloed within itself. And when we take a look at the overall user experience and SEO benefits, they really improve UX and conversions, to be honest. They push websites to understand their users and integrating what they need to their content strategy so that they are um, more prone to get related traffic. And since they are able to put these people in a funnel from awareness to decision and post-purchase, um, 
they are really um, focusing on what the user is looking for at that time. So step three is how to strategize. So by that, do you mean how to select your keywords, how to bring your keywords together, how to structure the content that you create? Most of it and more. <laughs> because okay. topic clusters, even though they are much more organized compared to like creating random content, um, they're prone to get pretty like out of hand quickly. So you'll need to have a good strategy and step-by-step -step approach. Just like any other content strategy, you're going to start with getting your keyword pool. Um, you're going to analyze competitors and find content gaps, etc. Yes, but you're also going to listen to your internal teams and just like customer support and sales and get the first-hand information from them. them. And also, if you are using... Um, certain names that you give to your products or services, etc., you're going to be looking for the generic keywords that the users are looking for these kind of services and what they are going after. So you're going to interpret all these into your keyword pool and strategy. Then my second step is to get an understanding of the buyer personas and mapping out the customer journey. As I said, from awareness, consideration, decision, and post-purchase, most of the brands are... Uh, focusing too much on the decision-making process and they sometimes fail to cover all awareness stages or they just abandon their users at, after the decision is uh, made and they don't really provide anything about the post-purchase, just like common issues that they may have, how to solve X, Y, Z, or if you're like a bike shop, like how to repair bike, not how to repair bikes, but like bike service near me or something like that. Um, these really come down to understanding your users and what they would need at that time because you have to cover the micro moments and have to be there with the user. And the third part of that would be doing the SERP analysis of topics and understanding search intent behind because there are so many wasted efforts after keywords that you cannot go after. For example, if like a um, brand that I'm working with is trying to cover best XYZ and they can actually never do that because they're one of the brands and they are not an aggregator or the listing um, posts that they would do would not be as um, authoritative as the others one other ones would do because it wouldn't be just generic and original I would say um, so yeah understanding the search intent and what kind of websites can rank for those etc would be very beneficial um, another step to it would be auditing your current content because you want to take advantage of what you have already built and maybe repurpose that to your process and Chris Nabrotsky has a very very good uh, content analysis content audit uh, sheet that you can use. She is taking a look at the number of keywords each article is ranking for. Um, she is integrating Google Search Console and Google Analytics metrics that are relevant. And like to take it a step further, you can include a column that's um, analyzing the SERPs and search intent and taking this into account. And you would basically, once you do that uh, for your current content, you would understand how users are interpreting this topic and how they are trying to engage with your content. So it would be um, one of the things that you would want to take into account. Then 
you would get your topic clusters template. <laughs> um, understanding which keywords to choose for the pillar pages and the cluster pages may be tricky, but it all comes down to understanding your user and how they interact with your content. So it goes without saying that the pillar pages is going to um, include head keywords, uh, not long-term long-tail keywords. Why do I keep saying long-term? Anyways, the cluster pages are covering different angles. So most of them are going to be long-tail keywords. Uh, people also ask questions and broad enough topics that your sales team and etc. are going to re recommend. Uh, plus the um, cluster pages can have subtopics within themselves as well. Um, that's a good angle to keep in mind, I say. So um, yeah, get yourself a con like a topic cluster template and make sure that you include most of the important aspects for your content. This may be type of content, definitely what kind of content that you're going to create uh, to be able to rank for it. Obviously like on-page uh, SEO things and stuff and primary keywords, secondary keywords, um, the search intent behind it. And if you are going to if you have in mind how many cluster key, cluster um, pages that you're going to include, maybe list out all those and compare the internal linking counts and etc., so that you have a good understanding about how to interpret them together and like connect these to one another. Superb. A lot of detail there. Well, Lots. step number four is mistake to avoid. Uh, mistakes to avoid. Yeah. Uh, so what would you say is the number one mistake that you have to avoid with topic clusters? I say it for everything along the way, not just topic clusters. In SEO, sometimes we get very carried away with like doing things for the sake of SEO. So when it comes to topic clusters, again, I would say that um, doing things for the sake of SEO is the worst thing that you can do. You should talk with the brand, get the brand perspective, align everything into their agenda. And sometimes doing everything according to SEO does not really make sense because your users may be looking for something else. And the best thing that we can do is to work SEO for the brand and not make the brand work for SEO, kind of. Um, so yeah, I think that would be the top advice but i have more <laughs> i feel like this <laughs> yeah, should have I'm been sure you do. <laughs> Wait, episode number two that's that's what we uh need to include the more on i'm sure that's um, a lot of detail Definitely. you've gone on to there um i want to make sure that we can cover the other steps there because step number five is promotion and distribution there so um is it not not enough just to structure your topic cluster really effectively and hit publish i'm also say distribution is as important as producing content itself and this is not very specific to topic clusters because you should be producing you should be promoting all kinds of content that you produce so i wouldn't say that it's something solely that you should be doing for topic clusters but there are important things that you can do and one of them is like um sharing your pillar page at first and try to understand the reaction that your followers are like giving on social media and etc and maybe hype your audience around like early on around the cluster pages that you may create and yeah when the time comes just publish it and see the engagements it's going to create and I am a bit advocate and like not really an advocate but I really love the idea that people in the organization 
are actually uh, sharing it in different platforms, but not doing it by like prompts from the brand, but they are really advocating for the product or service that they're creating. So they're sharing it in Reddit, forums, etc., uh, making it like available and discoverable. So it's very important to share it wherever it can create a genuine value. And number six, step number six is measuring the impact. Measuring the impact, yes. So I think the most important thing about topic clusters is that it's helping you build authority. So authority and exposure is going to be the owning the topic and how discoverable you are for the related searches for those topics. So you should have your keyword research and try to come up with like how you can extend the reach of these keywords by covering them in your topic clusters and etc. Definitely rankings is going to be one of the most important aspects of it. But I think social media shares and um, yeah, engagement that the audience has with your content is one of the main things but we know for all brands all of these should like connect to leads and sales so um yeah and actually one of the mistakes that i see is that like topic clusters are not connected to the sales pages and these are not considered especially if they're in the awareness stage these are not considered a part of the sales funnel most of the time. So it doesn't connect us to the leads and sales step where the decision making is happening. Um, so that's one of the recommendations I would make is to like keep leads and sales into account when you're measuring your content. So there's so many follow up questions that I want to ask, but I'm not going to ask. I'm going to refrain myself and hopefully keep that for another episode in the future. So Did I in talk the meantime, I'm just going to... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll let you say that. No, not at all. You, you give too much value. That's the that's what it is. <laughs> Let's finish it off way. with Thank you. the Pareto pickle. So Pareto says you can get eighty percent of your results from twenty percent of your efforts. What's one SEO activity that you would recommend that provides incredible results from modest levels of effort? Analyzing SERPs and understanding search intent, if possible, at scale. Because if you're, I mean, it's important for all web page websites regardless of the size but the bigger you get the more you're going to need this because they're much related to what we were talking about today there could be lost opportunities and even risks of keyword cannibalization uh, if you fail to analyze the SERPs and understand um, what content should be produced actually and there is so much effort and investment that can go to waste if you don't do this from the start so I so I really think that it's a good use of your resources and also a good strategy to follow to understand where you can be at and do it effectively and proactively. Great advice. Yay! I've been your host, David Bain. <laughs> <laughs> you can find Begum over at BegumKaya.com. Begum, thanks so much for being on the InSearch SEO podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. And thank you for listening. Check out all the previous episodes and sign up for a free trial of the Rank Ranger platform over at rankranger.com. <laughs> <laughs>